Hello, welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Michael Hobkirk and I'm a consultant in child psychiatry based in Chichester. Today we are talking about systemic approaches to leadership. We are joined by Graham Lee, Principal Family and Systemic Psychotherapist and Clinical Lead for West Sussex at Sussex Partnership NHS Foundation Trust. Welcome, Graham. Thank you for having me. So, how does a systemic approach to leadership differ from more traditional approaches to leadership? I think that the main difference, really, is is in how you think about what constitutes leadership. Um, Traditionally, leadership has been seen as a collection of attributes that are internal to a particular person. So, organisations have often looked for these attributes in in terms of hiring people and believing that those attributes uh, are going to be, be sufficient as it were, to set the culture of an organisation and lead an organisation to their next stage. I think systemic approaches to leadership see things a little bit differently insofar as the emphasis is not so much on the internal attributes of a particular leader but much more on the relationship between the leader and the people that are following that leader. So a systemic approach would be thinking that the attributes or qualities of a leader are actually co-constructed by what attributes they have in relation to um, the, their followers, what their followers, how their followers respond and react to them. So, for, for an, to give you an example, if you have a, a very dominant and very aggressive leader, and let's face it, society does reward people like that quite significantly, but if you have one of those in a complex organisation. What they tend to get surrounded by is people who have a more accommodating style uh, to leadership. So ideas around leadership and which direction an organisation should go doesn't get contested. Whereas with a systemic approach, uh, contestation is positively encouraged. I'll give you an example from Motorola, for instance. Paul Galvin uh, from Motorola took a systemic approach to leadership in, in leading Motorola and actually actively encouraged his workforce to take a critical perspective on him. Uh, and the results were quite spectacular. So I think these, these ideas could be and can be transposed to complex adaptive organisations, for instance like the NHS. I see. And what does a systemic approach to leadership actually look like? I think it, what, it, what it looks like is, I mean, one of the things uh, about systemic approach to leadership is the belief that talent, ability, intelligence exists at all levels of an organisation, not not just linked to your hierarchy, your position in a hierarchy yes. or your particular status in an organisation, and a systemic approach seeks to harvest that. Um, in a traditional form of leadership, what tends to happen is people at particular levels of hierarchy tend to communicate with themselves. So it's a horizontal form of communication and much less between the different hierarchies. So you know, if, a, if an organisation were to ad- adopt a systemic approach to leadership, there would be much more crossover uh, between different uh, hierarchical levels in an organisation and people charged with leadership responsibilities will be seeking out people at all levels of the organisation 
to contribute and develop a sense of responsibility for the direction of the organisation. And in, in, in what ways would a systemic approach to leadership benefit a complex organisation like the NHS? Well, I think, you know, we are living in times of great change, um, social change, cultural change, uh, economic change, uh, and organisations have to adapt. Uh, and large, complex organisations struggle to adapt. A traditional approach to leadership does struggle even more than uh, insofar as the idea that one leader can actually set the culture and know what is actually going on at all levels of the organisation from the very top to the front line is a very big ask. Um, So I think an organisation like the NHS, for instance, would benefit from a systemic approach simply because... um, an important part of the systemic approach is enabling people to feel valued, to feel that their contribution is, is, is essential and valued and wanted, and it helps to develop a sense of personal responsibility uh, for themselves they, you know, in terms of what their contribution is. So that is really promoted, uh, and it's promoted through the specific types of relationship that people charged with a, with a leadership role uh, are required to develop with the people who who follow them. Yes, yes, no, I, I agree. And and how, how would a systemic approach to leadership fit with traditional hierarchical structures mm. within organisations like the NHS? <clears throat> I mean, that's a really good question. It's a really interesting question because it, this is something that people worry about. I mean, systemic approach to leadership is not a free-for-all. It's not an anything goes. It's not, it's not a, a, an issue of, you know, anybody can be a leader uh, as such. Obviously, we do need hierarchies in organisations. We do need people with very specific roles and, and specific accountabilities. Um, so the reason I, I talk about a systemic approach rather than a systemic leadership role uh, is about these two need to be able to coexist. So we need to have people in position. You know, people have very specific talents, very specific abilities, uh, and these need to be obviously recognised, nurtured and developed. Uh, and so people have... Uh, clear roles uh, in an organisation but I think people need to be freed from this idea that it's their exclusive responsibility you know you know a systemic approach would encourage leaders at at all levels in an organisation to think much more carefully uh, about how they are allowing their their followers to influence them um, to and to construct who they become you know managers leaders and so on uh, become uh, who they are as a result of who is around them and the sort of relationship that develops and failure to pay attention to that you know in the sense you just set a default position you know you become a hostage to whoever is around you mm-hmm. um, rather yeah. than seeing that they they play an active responsible and ethical role in constructing the leader they need yes yes and and, and what would be the challenges to an organization in seeking to adopt a more systemic approach to leadership well, I think and there are a number of challenges that would, would, would occur. Um, I mean, I think things like... Um, uh, one of the things about systemic leadership is it values very much creativity and harnessing creativity in an organisation. And again, people don't have... People at different levels of an organisation or people at high levels of an organisation don't necessarily have a monopoly on creativity. It can exist at all levels of an organisation. So I think some of the challenges would be 
working with people, people who maybe are used to working at a particular level in an organisation, say a particularly high level, uh, but part of the challenges would be working with people at different levels of hierarchy uh, and recognising that they have something to contribute. I mean, for instance, trust boards very rarely meet, in my experience, very rarely meet people on the front line. Uh, and I would ask, why not? <laughs> why, why wouldn't it be helpful for them to hear from from the front line and to hear, or, or to maybe to invite people from different parts of the organisation to listen to board meetings and to reflect back to them, you know, in terms of what ideas they have. So it's about it's a gen more generative process, generating new ideas and, and a belief that ideas can be generated and harvested at all levels of the organisation. I think the, the other really difficult challenge for, for organisations is about uh, criticism or about contention. You know, people, and particularly at times of crisis uh, and, and stress and pressure and, and so on, people do have criticisms. They tend to sort of mutter amongst themselves and this sort of thing. These need to be open and speakable. Um, and I think one of the challenges, another challenge for an organisation is how they what sort of relationship they have with uh, contestation, with, with criticism, or with taking a sort of supportively critical role. Uh, I mean, certainly in my work as a clinician, I encourage my super, people I supervise, for instance, to be, critically, uh, be, to be critical of me, but in a supportively challenging way. So I think harvesting a supportive challenge from all levels of the organisation has, has a number of effects. It will help... Uh, people at higher levels of the organisation hear what is going on in an honest, open and ethical way, but it will also enable people who are making those supportive challenges to have their voice heard and to feel heard and to feel what they have to say is valued. That, is going to, that can only motivate a workforce in, in, a, in a very positive direction. Graham, thank you very much indeed for joining us to discuss this fascinating and important subject. Thank You're you. Very welcome. Thank you for inviting me.